We looked at the mystery of lawlessness last week in our little series on preparing for the last days. And we saw how it's really speaking of a cool wind blowing. Now, the spirit of this age blowing upon the hearts of people in the world to keep their love for the Lord cold or to put it out or to reduce it as much as he can anyway. You know, he's, he's really he's seeking to put out the divine fire in the hearts of believers all around the world to cause our love to grow cold. And that's a, a constant battle to, to protect ourselves from that, that cool wind blowing. And, you know, sometimes when you recognize it, you just want to escape it. You just want to just shut that out. And of course, in, in Christ, there's ways to do that, but yet we can't escape this world. Not yet anyway. So, so there's some endurance that has to take place. But I was just thinking about, you know, there's people in the northern areas. We won't point out where, but, you know, they're experiencing some back-to-back storms and different things. And, you know, there's probably a lot of people right about now saying, okay, I'm ready for spring. Bring it on. In Florida, we have a little different perspective. We say, let's hold off on spring because that means hot weather for us. So we, we like the, the cool weather. We're enjoying it. But that, that thought in the sense of, of you experience the cold season is sometimes you just wish it was over, especially if you don't like winter anyway. If you do like winter, then you, you like the winter activities and sports and shoveling your driveway and cleaning your car off. You know, more power to you. But there's that, that truth that we read last week. Actually, I didn't really bring it out, but I wanted to focus on that, pick it up this week. Um, that's really so vitally important. We read Matthew 24 and verse 12 saying, because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax or grow cold. But verse 13 says, but he that shall endure to the end, the same will be saved. Right? And so, you know, we kind of looked at some ways to combat that thought of our love waxing cold, but really what Jesus is saying, yes, you can do all that, but we still have to endure to the end. We still have to hold out. We still have to hold steady and keep going in the midst of adversity and difficulty. You know, we already read a, a lot of the things that Jesus talked about of the last days and, um, you know, what arise deceit and fear and turmoil and um, darkness and sin arising and all of those things. And many's love growing cold. And, and then he gives that verse, but he that endures to the end shall be saved. In a race, you can have a lot of different starts so to speak. You know, if people are examining the starts, they might say, oh, that guy had a really good start or he was a little slow off it. He had a bad start, you know, and or that guy had an average start. It, it falls in the middle of, of all of that. But, you know, none of those are really the ultimate defining factor as to whether they win the race, right? Maybe we've seen races where, oh, that guy's blew it. He had a terrible start. And then all of a sudden, at some point, he just picks up or she picks up steam, keeps going, and all of a sudden they're overtaking. And what happens? They can win because it's the end that counts. Thank God for that. 
I can, you know, you can all speak for yourself, but you know, some of our starts weren't exactly the prettiest picture in Christ, right? I mean, God brings us each out of different places and thank God it's not our start that ultimately matters. I mean, it's nice when we have a good start and so forth. I, I thank God for my, my godly heritage I have that helped me in my start. But you know, it's the end that really counts. It's the end. And so Jesus is saying that we can't just focus on getting everything set up right in the beginning of getting all of our ducks in a row, so to speak, and then putting it on cruise control and saying, well, I got it all set now. I just have to wait it out or just ride it in till the end, till Jesus comes for me in the clouds. Because he says, he that endures to the end shall be saved. That means there's some work to be done. There's some things that are involved on our part that we have to be mindful of that's continuing, keeping going in the adversity and difficulty. Now, enduring to the end can have a lot of connotations. And I brought out the, the fact of, of endurance, like an athlete, right? We have to have strength to endure. But I want to focus on, on another aspect of that, and that is timing, right? Because, it, you know, it, he said enduring to the end, to the timing. And sometimes it's timing that we have the most trouble with. Because we can have strength for a while, but then our sense of timing says, this should be over by now. I should be getting to the close of this trial and the close of this story. I, sh I need to get to a new chapter here. But it keeps going and going. You see, that thought of timing, God has his specific timetable that he is going to go by. Now, something we want to understand about timing, like from the beginning, I think we want to get this clear in our, in our spirits, is that God does not leave us in trials and difficulties for some infinite amount of time or indefinite amount of time. He has defined it. In fact, he defined it before the foundation of the world that we would go through difficulty and then he ends it for his purpose, to accomplish something. You know, he, we know that he doesn't leave us one moment longer than it takes in a trial because he, does, he doesn't want to destroy us. I actually, I didn't include it in here, but it talks about that in the New Testament, that he doesn't tempt us or test us more than we can handle or we would break. We would be destroyed. But yet we have to recognize God has his timing. And he doesn't off, often ask us our opinion in how that timing is going to come to pass, does he? At least he hasn't me yet. I don't know if he's asked your opinion. And so there's this thought about the timing of God is true for our personal lives. And it's true for the last days is that God has his timetable. And that's the one we need to try and align ourselves to and follow. Now, Jesus talked about the great tribulation, how terrible it was going to be, or it's going to be upon the earth. He said this in, in Matthew 24, 12. Here's how he, he's expressing. He has everything set out perfectly. He said, except those days be shortened. 
See, he's trying to tell us he's even having mercy on us. It could have been longer, but he says, no, I'm going to shorten them for maybe what they should be because we're talking about days of judgment and the world deserves a nice long period of judgment because of the sin and in the world and so forth. But he's saying, well, I'm going to shorten that because if I didn't shorten it, my elect wouldn't make it. And so he's shortening it. He's, he's giving a specific time for our benefit so that we would make it. No one would survive if God let the tribulation go on as long as the world deserved. And so he will shorten it or he'll limit it for our benefit. No one knows the day or the hour. Only the heavenly father does. As he talks about in Matthew 24. He knows how much the world can take and he knows how much we can take. And he doesn't come one day longer. In fact, the days in the, in the last days in the tribulation are going to be so difficult that God has even given believers an indication of how long it will be, how many days. He even gives specific days. In Revelation 12, it talks about the woman, and she's represented by the church. She's a representation of the church going through tribulation and going through difficulty and and the woman is given a place of refuge for a specific amount of time. And it says in Revelation 12 and verse 6, it says, Then the woman fled into the wilderness where she has a place prepared by God. And isn't that a wonderful thought? That God wants to prepare a place for us in the wilderness when the enemy is on our heels after us. But yet God, and, and we saw that from Isaiah, right? That if we fear the Lord, he'll be our sanctuary. But, you know, he says that he's prepared a place for her that she should be fed, fed there for 1,260 days. And so from the time of the great tribulation that this is referring to, where the, and it commences with the Antichrist offering the abomination of desolation. We won't get into that too much. That, that's more for studying the last days. But, but yet we touch on this because... He actually gives a specific period of time, 1,260 days or three and a half years. And I'm, I, I can only imagine the saints in the last days, they see the abomination being offered and they, they get their calendar out and they're, okay, one year, two year, three year, three and a half, 1,260 days, circle that day on the calendar. And they're going to be counting down those days. And God did that for their benefit because if there wasn't an expected end, they'd be, oh, Lord, are we going to make it? The Lord says, yes, just make it till endure to the end. We'll be counting down those days saying we're almost there. Wouldn't it be nice if the Lord gave you a date to the end of, <laughs> of your difficulties sometimes? I say sometimes because there's some things that I, I don't want to know the date of if they're a long way away, right? <laughs> I'm glad God didn't tell us how long we'd have to wait for revival or something like that. You know, I mean, we've been enduring for a while. And we, we look to the Lord and we seek Him for it. But back to that, that thought of, of the church enduring and saints enduring and the timing of it, I also want to consider something very important that the Scripture indicates the prophet Daniel brings something out, and Daniel has some very specific prophecies 
about the great tribulation in the last days. He also talked about the, the abomination and so forth. And he includes this little verse, which is very interesting for those who study end times theology. Daniel 12 and verse 12, it says, Blessed is he who waits and comes to the 1,335 days. Whoa, what's that difference there? So there's three and a half years of 1260, and then he's saying, yeah, but blessed are those who can endure a little longer to 1335. You know, there's more involved in this that we're going to get into in a, in a sermon, but there's that thought of we can have our timetable, but yet we need to be willing to wait upon God. And sometimes there's even a sense of delay of what we want it to be and yet what God has for his timetable. You know, it's, I think it's really interesting when you study the parables of this thought of delay comes up. You know, there's two that I just wanted to touch on. And actually, there's two right, almost back to back in this sermon that Jesus is giving in Matthew 24 and then the next chapter. And so Jesus is talking about the last days and he shares this little parable right at the end of Matthew 24 about the parable of the faithful servant and the unfaithful, the wicked servant. So, he's, so he starts this in verse 42, Matthew 24, 42. He says, watch, therefore, you know not what hour your Lord comes. And then verse 44, it says, be also ready for in such an hour as you think not the Son of Man comes. Even though God gives us an indication He's still going to surprise us. <laughs> He's, he still wants us to be looking to him and not the calendar, not our watches, but to him. And so he, he still, he's able to do that. Who is then that faithful and wise servant who his Lord has made ruler over his household to give them meat in due season? Blessed is that servant whom his Lord, when he shall come finding so doing. Truly I say unto you, he shall make him ruler over all his goods. But, verse 48, here's where it comes. But if that, that evil servant shall say in his heart, my Lord delays his coming. And so here's the picture. Here's a servant who had done the calculations and he determined, oh, the Lord, he should have come back already. Oh, he's delaying his coming. And then, well, this is the evil servant. So what does he do? He says, he, he again begins to smite his fellow servants and to eat and drink and be drunken and then unawares, verse 50, the Lord of that servant shall come in a day when he looks not for him and in an hour he's not aware of and will cut him asunder and apport him a portion with the hypocrites and there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And so there's something interesting in this parable. You know, he says, be ready, especially for the hour when you think not he's coming. And so the servants have done their calculations, and if they try to get it down too specific, the Lord surprises them. And it, as far as what direction they're off, <laughs> the, the wicked servant thought he was going to come sooner, yet there was a delay. You know, the faithful servant, he just said, well, I just want to be found faithful. And that's what happened. The wicked servant, he got into trouble because there was a delay there that he, he was not expecting and he placed his heart on that certain time frame. And when it didn't come, I don't want to say what caused him to turn into a wicked servant, but yet 
he gave up and went and did the wicked things. One more thought here from the very next chapter, Matthew 25. It has the parable of the ten virgins, and right, these are speaking of blood-washed believers. They all got their lamps and oil ready. They were burning, and they were waiting for the bridegroom. And it, and it seems as if the bridegroom came at an hour later than they were expecting, right? Because they all were together, and then they they waited so long they all fell asleep. And the and that other group of the foolish virgins. They just let their lamps burn. They were waiting so long. And their oil went down, and they ran out of oil. But the wise virgins, they had, they had anticipated that. And the need to wait and endure to the end. They prepared for that. They didn't know the exact timing of the bridegroom coming. And so they just waited and were ready for it. And so there's this thought of patiently waiting for the Lord, of needing to wait upon him. You know, the Apostle Paul was no stranger for the need to wait, especially in tribulation, right? During his, his ministry, he had a lot he had to go through as far as tribulation and difficulty and, and learning to wait. And, you know, he, he had this prayer concerning his churches. And I want to read this. And, and, and this was for the Thessalonian church. 2 Thessalonians 3.5, his prayer for them was that the Lord would direct their hearts into the love of God and into the patient waiting, the patient waiting for Christ. Now, in Thessalonians, he actually talked, in those two letters, he talked a lot about the second coming and about preparing for the last days and so forth. But one of his big prayers for them was, Lord, direct their hearts into the patient waiting. Because he knew God had his timetable. And that's the one we have to align ourselves to. Invariably, his timetable always seems longer than what we would like it to be. You know, and so this is for the last days, but in reality, it, it's for our personal lives. We talk about the last days because, you know, it's we, we want to see what's going on and know, know the times and the seasons, but really all of this the greatest application is to our personal lives as God's trying to prepare our hearts. So he takes us through some difficulties and we say, Lord, are you delaying your coming to me to deliver me from this? We need our hearts directed into his patient waiting. Now there's a the church in Revelation that I often consider, consider and think upon um, it was one of the seven churches that letters were written to. The one I was thinking of was the Church of Philadelphia. They were a precious church in, in God's eyes. They were small, but it says they had kept the faith. They kept the word of God in very difficult circumstances. And because of that, God gave them a promise. And in, in Revelation 3 and verse 10, this is what the Lord says to them. He says, because you have kept the word of my patience, I will also keep you from the hour of temptation that will come upon all the earth to try those who are upon the earth. That's pretty significant to us. Right? In the context of our series of preparing for the last days, you know, we realize this work of preparation, it, 
It benefits us as believers, right? Any time could be our, our last days for us, you know, and, and also the church. But here, here is a church that received a precious promise because they kept the word of his patience. It's like they had a tribulation that they kept God, the word of God's patience. They waited upon him and they endured to the end and they passed it. And God is writing to them saying, oh, you did it. You kept the word of my patience. You passed that test. Because of that, everyone else is going to be tested, but you've already passed. So I've, I've, I'm going to keep you from that. No, if you do well in a course and you take the final exam and you pass it and you rejoice, I don't know of anyone who ever said, I want to go through and do that again. I want to go take that test again, maybe if you really like studying. But, you know, there's that, that thought that God takes each of us through our own great tribulation, through our own difficulties and trials. You know, in one sense, we don't really need to fear or worry about the great tribulation. We need to, to focus on, Lord, what are you doing in me? And if I pass those tests in my life, you know, maybe we can enter into that same promise of the church of Philadelphia because you've kept the word of my patience. I'll preserve you. I'll prepare a place for you in the wilderness where you'll be set apart like Israel and Goshen. And why is that? Because we kept the word of his patience. God wants to do a work of patience within us. And you know, I think we mentioned this in the Bible study the other night. Uh, of what the Apostle James said in James 1 and in verse 2. And he's talking about trials again. And he says, Brethren, count it all joy when you fall into many temptations. James, how in the world do you do that? How can, how can I enjoy trials and temptations? Well, let's keep going and see what, what his meaning is here. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith works patience but let patience have her perfect work that you may be perfect and entire, lacking nothing. The trying of our faith through different temptations, it usually means more than one, unfortunately. But it's doing an essential work in us. It's doing a work of, you know, we, we can call it, James calls it a perfect work, but really it's a, it, the Greek is a complete work so that we're whole, we're not lacking anything. There's no component that we're missing. You know, sometimes you can get dressed in the morning, but if you're missing a component, it can stand out, All right? Sometimes I've gone out and not put a belt on, and depending on my waistline at that season, that can, that can have no problem whatsoever, or, you know, maybe if I'm doing well and I'm down, then I'm holding my pants up. They're falling down all the time, right? And that could be for anything. I mean, whatever component that makes us makes up us as a whole, we, we miss one aspect, it can have a big impact. And so the Lord is saying, let me do a complete work in you through my patience, through obeying my word and patiently allowing it to work in your life. And not just that, but this thought of patience, because sometimes we're like, okay, Lord, just do it. Like going to the dentist, that's... You can't really grit your teeth at the dentist, but I'm still clenching. I'm like, get it over with. Yeah. But that's not the sense of what 
the Lord's talking about here with with patience and a perfect work um, because the Greek word for patience means cheerful endurance. Cheerful endurance. And that's why James is saying, my brethren, count it all joy when you experience these temptations and difficulties. And, and I don't believe it's the idea that we're somehow to be able to find pleasure in our suffering. I don't know if that's really it, but it's, it's our perspective that our reaction and our joy to be is to be the knowledge that God is doing a perfect work in us and he's doing something that will bless us for all eternity and that we will rejoice in and have joy in for all eternity. I don't think I've ever had pleasure at the dentist, but you know, I do. What keeps me going is the idea of being pain-free after the dentist. That keeps me going. There is a sense of joy. I don't know, maybe, maybe not, but you know, God wants to give us a rejoicing in what he is going to do. Something we can possess for eternity to make us complete, to make us like him. And so this, this mindset is really the key. You know, so many have started out well, as in that illustration of the race, but they haven't allowed patience to develop and, do, and patience to have a perfect work. They didn't learn to set their hearts upon the Lord and so forth. And, you know, the days are going to get difficult, either in our personal lives or in a, the la- context of the last days. You know, we've talked about how hearts are going to grow cold and, you know, difficulty is going to arise. But we realize what Jesus said, he that endures to the end shall be saved. I just want to mention one last thought in closing. You know, it's, it's kind of a separate thought, but it's closely joined. It was something that really was quickened to me yesterday um, as I was considering the need to endure and wait upon the Lord. And, you know, often we need to have something in our hearts. We need something there to, to get us focused on the, the end of the matter. Um, you know, we have to have like a hope, an expectation of seeing good things at the end of our trial, right? I mean, if we don't expect to see good things, from enduring a trial, then we don't really have much motivation to go through it. We want to go around it. But hope, really the basic meaning of hope is an expectation of seeing good things. And so, you know, in in 1 Corinthians 13, Paul talks about how there's things that are important to us now that won't really be important in eternity because they won't be needed. And, you know, he talks about uh, in First Corinthians 13, how prophecy will fail because you won't need prophecy in heaven, right? The light of heaven will be there and truth will be there and we'll understand all things. And he says tongues will cease. We won't need to speak in tongues in heaven. I guess we're going to be speaking the same language in heaven. Even there's aspects of knowledge that will, will fade because everything is revealed in a, in a sense. But there's still some things that are eternal, and I'd never really thought about the three greatest things that Paul says in, in 1 Corinthians 13. In verse 13, he says, Now abides, and the context is eternally, faith, hope, and love, these three, but the greatest is love. Right? Now, I think we can understand love is going to last forever. I'd never considered hope. We're going to have hope forever. You know, that's eternal. You know, the... Uh, uh, a quote came to, 
to my mind. And it was, I looked it up. It was a British poet named Alexander Pope who said, hope springs eternal in the human breast. And, you know, I don't know if he had quite the same meaning in, in mind, but, you know, his words are quite, quite true in that if we develop a hope in God, it will spring eternally. Because in heaven, we're still going to have expectations of, of good things from our Heavenly Father for all eternity. It will be a constant revelation and experiencing of the goodness of God for all eternity. We're going to have hope for good things for all eternity. And we'll just be experiencing one thing after another. And so if hope is something that's eternal, then we want to sure make, make sure we have it on earth, that we're developing it on earth. Just like love needs to be developed in our heart, we have to have a heart that hopes in God. And when we do that, you know, a heart that's, that's learning to have an expectation from the Lord of good things. Because in a trial, isn't our inclination to be the opposite? Lord, I don't know if I'm ever going to see good again. Lord, I'm only seeing bad. But, you know, we have to train ourselves. Like David said, he spoke, you know, his spirit within him spoke to his soul within him. And he said, soul, hope in God. He is my help. And we have to do that to ourselves. But if we do, as, as it one closing verse here, in Hebrews 6, 19, we see the result of what hope is. Hope we can have as an anchor for our soul, both sure and steadfast, that leads us within the veil. And so the thought I want to bring out about preparing for the last days is that need to endure, about keeping the word of his patience in our lives, learning to do that even now so that we'll follow God through the good times, through the trying times. And as James says, the various trials, the various temptations. But if we allow patience to have her perfect work, and hope to spring up in our hearts. It will become fruitful in our lives. It will make us complete. You know, I want to stand before the Lord not lacking any of those good things, those essential things that he wants to have. I don't want to stand before the Lord saying, well, I, I wanted to have a belt on, but I didn't put, take the time to put it on. Right? You know, that's kind of a, a silly illustration, but, you know, I don't want to stand before the Lord. And he says, you know, I tried to do that thing for many years, but you didn't, you didn't respond to me in that. And I, and I, you know, that lack will be there because on earth is our opportunity to prepare for heaven. He wants to fill our lives with treasures that will not only preserve us in the days to come that will, but will give us joy and pleasure for all eternity like hope, to spring eternally from our hearts. Expectation, an eternal expectation of goodness from the Lord. And so let's ask God, Lord, do that good work of patience and hope that we will be those who endure to the end. Father, we thank you for your plan and your purpose, for your promises to us. Lord, thank you that 
you've already written your plan and that even the timing of your plan is written and we can trust in you and we can safely rest in the goodness of your plan. We can hope in, in, at your specific time we will see your goodness in the land of the living and in eternity. Lord, would you give us your heart? Lord, we just, we just invite you to come and work within us and let patience have her perfect work that we would be complete and entire and lacking nothing when we arrive in eternity and behold you. Oh, do that work within us. Let us enter into that promise that we will be preserved in the days to come, we ask. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you.